All right, welcome to Truth and Fiction. You are here today with Josiah and... Steve is here in the house. (laughs) All right, and we are talking today about uh, a more recent movie and perhaps a great work of fiction, although time may yet tell, uh, The Avengers Age of Ultron movie. The second in The Avengers Right. Four movie series, so yeah, yeah, the same collaboration with all of the all the heroes together. Nice, yep. Um, I'm gonna offer a real quick plot summary for those of you who maybe haven't seen it in a while. Uh, it starts out with the Avengers dealing with some particular threat. They track down the Loki scepter, which has previously been used to enact some form form of mind control on a few different characters based on whoever was using it. And uh, typical of Loki to use something like that, given that he is such a trickster. But anyway, they track it down. And uh, in the process, Tony Stark gets a vision from Scarlet Witch, who you kind of just meet, and then her twin brother, Quicksilver. And it sets him down this path of building the shield around the world that he calls Ultron, which is this protocol that's supposed to be the first line of defense against another invasion. Of course, things don't go so well pretty quickly. Ultron gets um, runs away, has a mind of his own, decides that the best way to protect the world is to destroy it, or to protect humanity is to destroy it, given their proclivity for violence, among other things. And I mean, it's kind of a kind of a common trope, but there you go. <laughs> and so the it sets in motion this this supervillain who pretty much eliminates their ability to use technology because it's in all of it. Mm-hmm. And they have to find themselves again, recenter, uh, figure out what they have to to defeat this new threat, and then turn around and stop it. In the process, they create a counterpart to Ultron that uh, comes to be called the Vision. And he is some uh, that counterpart ends up being the the trigger for a lot of the interesting philosophical questions that this movie addresses. And then they have, of course, their big final showdown where mm-hmm. they Avengers do their best to save the public and stop Ultron from uh, creating a new meteoric event to wipe out humanity. And that that is it in a nutshell. Yeah, so that's a. Uh, yeah, highly entertaining film. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, all these films are uh, highly entertaining. But when we look beneath the surface, like we can with a lot of works of art, uh, there's more going on there. And that's what we'd like to talk about this morning. So yeah. one of the big themes, and it, it's taking place in a lot of different media and a lot of different art, is this idea of AI being, you know, incredibly dangerous. Um, something that will um, eventually destroy us um, and uh, great fear around it um, AI yeah. Such a, it's a really common thing to hear about it's, I listen to a lot of podcasts and mm-hmm. and um, many of them it's it's a topic on many of them frequently because it's this sort of ethereal idea like no one really knows what it is but just the words artificial intelligence right it, yeah evokes <laughs> yeah so, you know so much great dark sci-fi right right yeah that's this is true uh, Josiah has talked about how that's um, that AI is, is is largely misunderstood and I, I believe that to be true we were talking about Westworld um, uh, and its take on on AI and mm-hmm. the the, the, the Mr. Nolan, who's the creator of that, was asked about his thoughts. And if he wanted, actually, the question was, did you want to say anything to the people who are working in AI? And he said, yes, please stop. <laughs> so his right. intentions with Westworld are um, to 
you know, and I think this is where, you know, maybe play into people's fear that, yes, this is a very, very dangerous thing. And the danger becomes if we give something a mind of its own, it will become something like an Ultron and eventually turn on us. Well, let me let me go just slightly more nuanced for those who have never um, who haven't thought much about AI. I mean, it's in the news, but what is it really? And, and what is the danger? It can be a little bit hard to quantify in, in terms that. Are relevant because it's easy to, to put a human behind a character and call it an AI and imagine it as a runaway super intelligence, but but to actually act that out is, is far more difficult than um, uh, a difficult a problem than than sci-fi wants to present it. And so, so artificial intelligence is more than anything a, a problem-solving tool. Um, and it, in its current iterations, it uses fairly sophisticated mathematical, either mathematical prediction models, or it's, it's, it's just an information processing system that takes information and, and draws more useful conclusions out of it. For example, they have AIs that uh, will look at traffic lights and they'll look at traffic lights throughout the city. They'll watch the patterns of cars moving through the city and they will mathematically apply predictive models and analyses to then uh, reprogram the lights to flow in a more smooth fashion, for example. Mm -hmm. Now it's a really difficult problem for a human to tackle because you'd have to observe so much time and, and so many data Take points in so much data sure. right yeah. but you can do it pretty readily with an ai right, um, right. there's also like predictive algorithms obviously the facebook instagram they all use uh, artificial intelligence algorithms to build uh, they call it like an avatar so mm -hmm. every user on facebook has a record of everything they've ever clicked on or even slowed down to look at in their feed and so they're predictive models will look at those data points and each and every one of those things that is some uh, is a is a data point on the question of what is this person interested in and so they can build a model of what they think you're interested in in order to better feed you more things that you might be interested in and on one hand it's like oh cool that makes things interesting <laughs> obviously there's other ramifications right. that that could be the subject of a podcast <laughs> entirely on their own it, it, it kind of had me then you lost me there because i was going to say that the it, it at its essence, AI is really, I think, designed to be helpful to humanity. Absolutely. And, and it so, tackles problems uh, that we just can't right, deal right. with. Now, the Facebook well. example, <laughs> yeah, right. helpful to the uh, uh, to Mark Zuckerberg. Sponsors, um, yeah, but, exactly. Uh, but I don't know how helpful that is to me. Yeah. Um, but, it, but, uh, but I think that that's a, a key point in that, in that it is always well-intentioned, or should be always well-intentioned. Right. And that brings us right to our, our movie, doesn't it? Uh, this idea of, uh, of, of, of good intentions. Uh, Tony Stark's totally. idea of protecting the world is a, is a wonderfully uh, you know, intentioned thing. That, you know, what, who, what's to not like about being protected from a, a, a threat? Totally. I mean, like a, it's a natural thing for some uh, a, a super genius like Stark to be to care about mm -hmm. and also to to seek to accomplish, and to bring that a little bit into the real world too. I mean, where we're at and the the existential the actual existential danger of AI in the near future is this idea that once you have a system that can self learn, uh, then there once you have a they call it a generalized intelligence system so instead of being able to solve just one problem it learns how to solve the set of all problems essentially like mm -hmm. like a human is a human right. is, a, is a generalized problem solving tool right. in that we can kind of apply our tools of reason and logic and research to to solve generalized problems right. you know, and that are nuanced and so once you can design a tool 
that does that and can adapt itself in the process so it can learn and then adapt itself and learn more and then adapt itself and learn more the exponential growth of its capability to do just about anything mm-hmm. um, immediately creates an existential threat not only to us but to um, but not and even if it so here's the dangerous thing is that it's not even necessarily that it would destroy us but that any country that then has that as a tool mm-hmm. can then solve problems that no one would have even thought of as problems mm. like it can solve problems that we hadn't even considered yet right. all very quickly like in a matter of you know, probably hours it it becomes more capable than all of humanity combined and that's sort of like the runaway the runaway intelligence danger is that okay not only that but anyone who even gets close to that level of programming um is is likely to be a target of international espionage and things like that because Mm -hmm. we just can't let it no one the the game theory is that you can't let any uh competitor have that much of an advantage and so it it's like a nuclear level potential yeah. in terms of what it could do um you know manipulating mm-hmm. markets cracking sophisticated encryption mm. you know the, right. the ability to play with all of our finances alone oh, yeah. would be a, would be a huge thing right. and ultron does that in this movie and this is true he like buys the whole bunch of right. vibranium by playing with some money in the background and sure. making this guy rich. But anyway, yeah. So to, yeah. to bring it back, like there is, there is some threat in that and it's the, in this particular instance, it manifests itself very quickly as well. The, another, th- and you've summarized that quite well. The, um, the, the other threat that's presented in our movie and we see it in other sci-fi is that when you, because what you were just talking about is a lot, is really focusing on the, intelligence part of AI, the the I in artificial intelligence. But we see in the movie that the emotion, when an artificial being has emotion, um, and we see it in a scene where Ultron is, is, is uh, I believe, is a vision who says to him that, you know, you're, you're no, it was the, the guy who he cuts his arm off. Right. The, the, yeah, that was the, 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 the arms dealer. Right. <laughs> the armless arms dealer. <laughs> right. Um, and... And he flies into a rage, which is, uh, you know, and, and, and even realizes that, you know, he's, he's having a, uh, I mean, th- th- this is an artificial being with true emotion that makes him, you know, he slices off his arm in, in, right. out of anger, oh, out of sorry. no other. Uh, sorry. Right, right. And he, like, yeah. apologizes for it after. <laughs> right. So um, that part is very interesting to me as well. And I think to a lot of people that, wow, we can create not only incredibly sophisticated, intelligent you know, uh, you know, informationally intelligent people, but we're or beings, but we're also very. It's very dangerous to create this kind of emotion in, in people. And it's kind of it's strange to me. I don't I don't totally understand why they decided to make Ultron anything but a, a, a cold, calculated, logical right. machine. Because you could have had the same conclusion. Like you could have taken the logical conclusion that oh yeah, humanity is horribly warring, therefore. The best way, I mean, this was the premise of iRobot, which was a similar similar situation where the robot that was designing all these other robots mm-hmm. uh, realized that it actually needed to eliminate humanity in order to protect it from humanity, mm-hmm. given its primary objective of protecting humanity. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, Can protect humanity by eliminating humanity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so giving Ultron an, an emotional state, yeah. I thought was was interesting. Like, I, I'm yeah. not... I'm not entirely sure why they did that other than 
um, what we'll talk about a little bit later, other than to set it up as a little bit of a counterbalance to this, to the vision character Mm -hmm. in that, you know, Ultron. And and this was my, my one conclusion from that was uh, Ultron's anger was as a result of Tony Stark's fear because Ultron is the, the physical manifestation of Tony Stark's fear being invented and then carried to the extreme through the infinity stone. Mm -hmm. It's like taken to the limit, uh, the the infinite limit. And and you end up with this emotional defensive character that strives for maximum power and control over the world. And the only way to accomplish that is by sacrificing, you know, humanity in order to attain its ability to control and preserve the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's understandable that that might be a, it is an interesting choice on the filmmaker's part to um, to give that character that emotion like that. Like you said, I mean, if we if we eliminate that scene and it's a long scene, so it's very deliberate and it's very intentional mm-hmm. that that's in there. That so they, Josiah, you were saying that you weren't sure why they necessarily needed to to do that. Yeah, um, it seems a little bit unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, except as as maybe a manifestation of of uh, Stark's fear, which then turns to anger. I mean, it's like Yoda: fear leads to anger, mm-hmm. anger leads to hate, right? right? And and maybe it's to make that connection a little bit. Well, I think that, and I think that's certainly possible. I, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, off off mic about um, you know some of our most interesting characters being flawed. Um, so here you have this amazing. Uh, uh, you know, amazingly intelligent being in this Ultron. Right. Yet his humanity, his, his emotion <laughs> is actually a flaw yeah. that's going to make him... Yeah, uh, makes you know, him vulnerable to it them. Makes him vulnerable and it makes him do things that he's, you know, that that action of the, the violent action that he does, you know, that, that was completely an emotional response yeah. from a from a non-human. And in, in that case, that's a flaw for him. He can't, he really shouldn't be having those kinds of feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's... And and we see the the flaws in almost all of our Avengers, and and the filmmakers I think do a nice job of exploring how the Avengers as heroes deal with their what we could call flaws. And I'll sort right. of put that in quotation marks. Their flaws. Um, yeah. um, so we could talk a little bit if you want. About, yeah, let's go uh, into that because that's really uh, there's a, a big portion of the film that is centered around not just the plot, but the, the interesting philosophy of the film is centered around what, what these characters do with the parts of themselves that they're most ashamed of yeah. and their their sources of deepest pain and their sources of deepest fear right. because that's what's exposed when Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch you know, meets them all in that same scene mm-hmm. and sort of gives them each a flash of reflection mm-hmm. manifest in front of their eyes of what they're most afraid of. Right. Right. And, uh, you had some really good thoughts about um, uh, Natasha. Natasha, about yeah, Natasha. yeah, she's a very interesting character. Um, you know, <laughs> Josiah now kind of laughs as one of the one of the most least effective <laughs> Avengers. You know, under, under, <laughs> right. You know, some acrobatic a kicks underpowered. and some uh, yeah, <laughs> a little underpowered in the superpowered group. Uh, she can ride the heck out of a motorcycle and she can do some pretty amazing gymnastics. But uh, uh, other than that, right. uh, but anyway, she is a uh, she is. If we look at what we would call her flaw. Um, this is someone who was a trained killer, um, who has really had her youth and in and, and, and some sense, I guess, her humanity taken away from her and, and was created mm-hmm. to uh, be an assassin and, and has likely had, you know, look, can look back on her past and see lots of death and destruction that she's left in her path. So what does she do with that? That would be her sort of her burden to carry. That's her flaw. Right. But um, what makes what 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 makes Natasha different from say your traditional villain 
is that she is almost seeking some kind of redemption. And she's finding that through her work with the Avengers, where I will now work to set things right. I will help humanity in a way mm-hmm. that uh, to sort of make amends in some in some sense right. for all the death that I have caused. Um, What's pretty remarkable about that, just on that same vein, is that she um, she doesn't she chooses not to totally reject that part of her. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. run away from the from the ballerina thing. She doesn't like uh, she doesn't push away and bury that part of her that is the trained assassin she uses it like she allows it to manifest itself Mm -hmm. and then directs it towards more positive means well we've talked about that on this podcast this embracing of the shadow she doesn't deny that the shadow exists right she embraces it and and she even lets it humble herself yeah she's such a humble character really given their given their group and their status and Mm -hmm. and all Mm -hmm. So we also were talking about about Stark, and you know, and this is a, a man who's you know incredibly intelligent person who has a similar uh, uh, flaw or a similar burden that he must carry, and that his weapons that he has created, you know, not directly through him necessarily, um, but his weapons have caused mass destruction and mass death, and and again, he's almost seeking a kind of redemption for that. Um, for you know, that's would you agree that that's right? His, yeah, uh, that's sort of his whole uh, entry story, or not an entry story. It's his um, his origin story. Origin story, uh-huh. right? Yeah, 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 from the original Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to see him discover that you know the people he's put in place have been selling his weapons to both sides and causing massive destruction all over the world. And he realizes that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to make weapons of destruction anymore, and right. he wants to try to actually bring peace. And right. His 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 change of heart. Was was uh, visually symbolized by that new piece of tech that's keeping his heart alive, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. it's this energy yeah. source and yeah. all that. And so it is. It's a he then sees that and like now realizes yeah. that I'm trying to make a difference in the world for the positive, right. rather than putting all that energy into destructive means. So if we look at it as as uh, you know what this could mean for us as human beings, you know what is that? You know we've we've talked about this on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. It's like what is a what's the takeaway from for me? Um, and I think it is that we are flawed human beings. Every one of us is, is flawed. And we were talking earlier about how the most interesting characters in literature and film are the ones that are flawed. No one's interested in someone who's wholly good, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly good or wholly evil. Um, they become flat. They're uninteresting. They lack verisimilitude, the semblance of truth. We can detect it. And so... Um, so how do we deal with our flaws and the heroic ones, the ones that we would call heroic are the ones that I think we can naturally get behind are the Starks and are the Natashas who have embraced that shadow and integrated that into something positive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably part of the reason why I just don't like the character of Captain America. I'm just not into that guy. Uh-huh. He's not an interesting <laughs> character to me at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It basically, he starts out as this um, bastion of moral um, excellence uh, <laughs> as he jumps on the grenade in his, in training to, you know, to, and, and demonstrate, and on one hand, like, okay, that's why he's deserving of the power that they give him. And, Fair enough. Like, absolutely. Let's give people like that power if you ever find one, but you're never going to because, you know, they don't exist. <laughs> but so I don't, I don't buy him as a character that much. And even in this movie, his flaw is 
is uh and just some subtle insecurity about what good is he if in times of peace because he's a he's a tool right. he's a war machine yeah and uh, i i agree he he's he's probably the most least interesting to me as well and mm-hmm. i think for the very same reasons that we're talking about right. um you know we look at that, that what we just talked about as well is is pretty clearly manifested in, in hulk who struggles with his you know his dark side right and in this <laughs> um, one in this movie his dark side is this question of the the guy with the eyes uh i forgot his name heimlin heimlin or heimlin or something oh, he's the gatekeeper yes um he he like grabs him and is is yelling at him telling him that he's gonna bring destruction on asgard and like that's all thor is destined for is to cause destruction and that's kind of a little bit of his origin story too he's this god of war essentially right, and, and right. enjoys it and gets a thrill out of it and sort of realizes that he has to self-sacrifice to actually mm-hmm. be worthy to be uh, king mm-hmm. and you know that's that's all well and good but still obviously it's a insecurity that he is a destroyer <laughs> but um what's interesting too is that okay well that's it's a paralyzing fear right and so much so that in one of the coming movies you know when he fails to actually stop thanos he's just crumbled he he just absolutely paralyzed into inaction to where he becomes a a bum on the right. On, oh, I think beach. we switched switched gears. We did. We right? jumped movies. There went, a no, bit. no, we switched to Thor. I was talking about Hulk. Oh, Hulk. Okay, uh, you said uh, Thor, so I jumped I on that th- train. I, oh, yeah, I'm no, the, sorry. the Hulk is a good say, one too. Though. Go I, I, what I let me let me yeah. I'm Go like, for it. Where are you talking about Hulk's Thor? Hulk's more interesting character anyway. No, what you said about Thor is great. I'm glad you said that. And I was I didn't realize I gave you a false lead in there. But what I was saying, what I was trying to say, was that the idea of embracing the shadow is very clearly seen with the banner hulk character yep. in, a, in a very obvious kind of yeah, way yeah. someone's struggling a little more in your face metaphor a little more in your face metaphor this one's uh you know what we would call leaden, leaden? <laughs> yeah. very heavy hard to miss you know uh leaden symbolism is like the one that's like wow man you can see that one a mile away um so that one is uh it, it, that that is the it's much more nuanced than other characters, but it's mm-hmm. the same thing that Hulk is going through. I have this darkness in me. How do I control it? How do I embrace it? How do I, how do I use it? I can't deny it. Um, I can, it has some I utility. can either, yeah, it has some utility. I can either go all in and I can just be a huge destructive force or I can sort of rein it in and be, uh, you know, a destructive force for good, you know, so, um, so we, we see that, we see that in, in all of these, uh, Avengers, the one that, yep. another one that's interesting to us is the Hawkeye character, like Natasha, not exactly one of the, the strongest <laughs> Avengers, uh, you know, uh, no real superpowers there, right, um, right. but, uh, heck of a archer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, in a lot of ways, he's kind of the hero of this story. He is. He's, you know. he gets, I've realized when I watch this, he gets a lot of, airtime so yeah. to speak you know he is so let's talk about that a little bit <laughs> nice hawk pun there <laughs> that was good <laughs> yeah so hawkeye is i really think he's the the hero of this particular story in that uh, when you take away all the gear and the gizmos and you disable people because he's the only one who doesn't get um, blasted full in the face with that psychological warfare he he doesn't end up having a vision he's fairly secure in his psychology He's actually already been at the mercy of the um, the scepter for a while, so he was the pawn of, of Loki for a time, and uh, and he's like not about it. He's he's already sort of grown past this point that all of these other Avengers are having to deal with, with this particular conflict, and um, 
And I think probably as a result of those times, he had already prepared himself in the way that he knew was necessary in order to sort of restore his soul and to, to remain grounded in what's really important. Yeah. Um, and so he has this, this getaway yeah. where he keeps his family safe. Uh, he has the, the simple things in life, no electricity. He goes and cuts his own firewood. He's got his tractor, does some farming. Like life is simple and clear and mm-hmm. straightforward and has meaning in this, in this getaway place. And he's ready for it. And and because of that preparation and that insight that he's got, he he really bring is able to bring the team back together at a time when right. they were about to splinter apart. Right, right. You know, and Ultron, uh, he says, I have I have what Stark will never have, unity or um no, it's not the word he uses, uh something like continuity or something like oh, I wrote it down here. Um <laughs> It, it is while you're looking, thinking that word or looking for that word. I was thinking about harmony, how harmony. Ah, ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. So Clint brings the but team back to harmony. He absolutely brings it back to harmony in this in this sort of a, not sort of but a, a, a true sanctuary in every yep. in every you know something that's that's peaceful um, that allows um, introspection and quiet and solitude in the midst of you know chaos. Really, what's happening mm-hmm. out there? Um, yeah, there's some. Uh, so Hawkeye is a. Uh, yeah, I, I think they really. Uh, and and we were talking too about how. Yeah, I think he is sort of the hero or or the you know the uh, very much a focal point. Oh, okay, and it is interesting too. The I forgot that too that he does not get one of the visions, right? So, right. He tags yeah. her with the arrow, right? The, right. She's he, about to get him. Right. That's right. So, um, yeah, some great stuff there. Um, we were talking about a couple of the lines that were in there that, that maybe people missed or brushed over. Um, Josiah's noticed a whole lot of biblical references that I want him to kind of talk about. But we were looking at this one about peace in our time, which comes up more than more than once. Yeah, certainly. Stark in, in says it, and then Ultron says it. Right, uh-huh. right. And uh, we attributed that from uh, from Chamberlain back in uh, nineteen thirty eight, um, who was coming back from a. a sort of a summit and uh, comes back and says to his people as he emerges back to his country, uh, basically I'll paraphrase, just say that we've, this was hugely successful. We can, we now will have peace in our time and and the people erupt and, you know, cheering and everything else. Well, (laughs) it becomes one of the most ironic statements of in, in modern history because they've had the absolute opposite of peace. We were at war a year later um, it was, you know, uh, Hitler was rising. It was, uh, it, it, it was uh, a, a statement that that was probably one of the most uh, uh, yeah, ill-fated, right, poorly timed. Right, right. He so, was just wrong. <laughs> he was absolutely wrong. So we uh, we found that one very interesting. We yeah. found it. One of the things we found interesting was that we thought that perhaps it's a. Well, at least I thought perhaps it was a little out of character for Tony Stark to use that line when he right. asked him, well, what about your, because he's talking about, I'm going to protect the world and what we will have, we'll have peace in our time. And he says it very unironically. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stark should know that that statement <laughs> is yeah, a bit idealistic. A, right. Was, is, is sort of used almost jokingly in a way to say that, you know, that. As the, the opposite of that. So uh, in that, in that case, um, uh, I'm not sure if it's fit for Stark, maybe a little right. out of out of character. But yeah, uh, maybe uh, it, it it speaks to the uh, the illogical 
nature of a man who's being driven by emotion. Yeah, that's true. I, you know what? That's actually a really brilliant. That's probably what the film right, filmmakers would say. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that, we, that was intentional. What are you talking about? Um, uh, but it very well may be. That's a great, you know, that's, I think that's very possible. Um, yeah, that he's blinded by that. Yeah, I mean, he know, totally we, we see the irony of that. And we see the problem with trying to stop a war before it starts mm-hmm. you know what yeah I mean? who was it uh, who says that um i think it was captain uh, captain yeah. america who right. and again if it, again he, we, we both have <laughs> he's he's not our fave but uh yeah. but he, but he, he does represent collective conscience yeah because he does represent the past and what we can learn from basically and yeah. he said he says that you know we've every time we try to stop a war before it starts people get killed yeah um and so stark should know that right <laughs> he should <laughs> but, know that but again there's that human flaw you know, the same that, the same flaw that ultron has, that takes right? me back to his it just reminded me of of a scene from the original iron man where he's talking about how uh america has you know speaks softly carry the big stick uh, and and he likes to make sure that america's always got the bigger stick mm-hmm. and it's this it's almost the same idea it's the preventing uh it's the idea is to prevent a war by being the more powerful being one. more powerful one, and sure. and that's what he was going for with ultron again it's a, it's a little bit of a regression yeah. that causes him you know this regression by the fear that causes him to uh to take this course of action right. and okay so i hopefully this is a good time here for this, but I really want to get into the comparison between Ultron and vision. So, Oh yeah, sure. But if you do you want to talk about some of the biblical stuff first and lead into that? uh, That'd be good. Yeah. Let's try that. Okay. So, um, for those of you who think it's not worthwhile to know anything about the Bible, because religion is a antiquated institution that is driving our culture the wrong direction. Um, we both no, disagree. We both disagree. Yeah, right. Uh, and not just because not, I'm not saying that uh, that it's worth. I'm not saying that everyone should be religious, but I'm saying that the Bible is so deeply ingrained right. in our culture from history past that you actually will miss out on on huge depths of richness. Oh, sure. In in all forms of art, lots of and, illusions, lots yep. of references. Yeah. If you there's there are courses, and one should likely take one um, that removes the sort of religion aspect of it and and the courses are called Talk, the, the bible as literature totally know, and, like and that. it's so that's, a, that's certainly certainly worth someone's time absolutely and um yes so anyway on that vein uh, there's there's a few key illusions that take place between these two characters that you won't you won't really understand the character of vision and ultron unless you think of it unless you connect this illusion to literature uh, so one of the first times Ultron introduces himself to his new minions, the, the twins, he's sitting on a church talking about how this church is built right in the center of the city so that everyone could be the same distance from God. And it's this idea of equal access to, to God, which was the big, uh, transformative revelation of the new Testament, right? So the, the old Testament, you've got this God and you got to go to the temple to, to meet up with him. And, and there's this mediated interaction with God, but, but you know, the, in the New Testament, all of a sudden, everyone can meet with him in person mm-hmm. uh, themselves, and you have a right to that and whatnot. And so Ultron puts himself in the seat of God, and then and declares to these people essentially that humanity is not worth uh, preserving, mm-hmm. that that the keys to peace and prosperity and and growth and progress, uh, the key to it is the destruction of humanity as a whole. Because they're they're just doomed to violence and despair and destruction and uh, to to fall to their own ends. And he has taken the the logical um, 
conclusion of that, which is I should speed that process along as best I can. Mm -hmm. It's actually a very nihilistic um, Mm -hmm. sentiment. And if you read some of Marxist uh, writings, he echoes that. Um, If you read the the writings of the the Columbine shooters, they echo that sentiment as well. Mm -hmm. Like the, the idea that life is so fraught, being is so fraught with misery and suffering that it is irredeemable and should be brought to an end as quickly as possible. And so that's you know, Ultron's high aim, essentially, as, mm-hmm. as a god. Uh, now, what's so cool about this movie is, okay, you have the same essential ingredients to Ultron as to Vision, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got this, the, the Infinity Stone. You have Stark's uh, technology right. behind it, more or less. And, um, and yet, Vision is created after stark has this experience in this in the sanctuary where he is is reoriented towards what's actually most important like safety uh, and security from threat is is actually not the most important thing the preservation of relationships the preservation of the people he knows and loves the uh, the continuing of the species uh, the the giving the chance to minimizing of suffering for humanity mm-hmm. uh, the pushing towards growth those are actually the things that matter most right. and so he has this this reorienting experience at the sanctuary and, and tackles the problem again from a new light and then in this process Jarvis shows up and Jarvis is also the creation of of Stark exactly. and Jarvis is essentially the perfect servant that, that's all he was built for he was built to to solve problems he calls Tony sir uh, he's he's incredibly polite but you can think of him as an AI that is built around the heart of a servant who whose highest aim is to serve the good of of humanity essentially now he is combined with the same artificial intelligence taken to the logical extreme, combined with the technology. And what you have is the counterpart to Ultron. There you go. This cohesive, harmonic unit that is fed all the same information. He's seen all the same darkness on the internet that Ultron has. Mm-hmm. He's got access to all the same files. He's he has had he has essentially the same exposure to the world. He's practically born three days later, right? So he's not mm-hmm. even he, his time frame. If time frame for existence is more or less the same, mm-hmm. and yet his take on the world is that actually no humanity in its full fullness is still beautiful, right? And despite the flaws, it's worth preserving. That mm-hmm. being might be full of suffering, but it is still meaningful, uh, and it's worth fighting for. And right. even destroying Ultron as another fascinating being, you know, Vision actually is sad about having to destroy Ultron and his sentience, uh, but knows that it's a necessary part of mm-hmm. a greater good. And so there's all these great dynamics that take place between yeah. these two these two god characters. Right. And there's this line that Vision has right after he pops out of the box and he flies over to the window and he's looking at the world like kind of like Superman up in the sky and he sees everything and he's trying to figure out what he is in that moment. He goes, "I'm not this, I'm not that." And then he goes he goes, "I am." And of course, all the fundamentalist Christians shout sacrilege, heresy, and I, and I got an earful of that when when this movie first came out, but because uh, that's you know the name of God in in the Bible, like you don't, Yahweh. not everyone would know that Yahweh yeah. means I am, um, and it comes from that story with Moses where God says I am that I am um, in the bush, and and it it ties back to this idea of of. There, you can't describe something that just is, really. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, hum- that is humanity. You know, how do you yeah. how do you describe yourself as a human? It's like, well, you just are what you are. And okay, maybe you uh, are a teacher, or maybe you 
cut trees or maybe you are an engineer, whatever, but you also are more than that. And it's hard to put a finger on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think vision, vision embodies, embodies that ethos of, of, uh, a God that is gracious and seeking the good on the Mm -hmm. whole and has found meaning and has purpose and, and is not uh, nihilistically bent towards destruction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, the, the, I go on about those two oh, characters, it's, but it's, it's really fun. It's oh, really it's, interesting. It's, oh, it's just super fun. And I think as a viewer, um, when you watch, uh, you know, what comes out of that, um, that pod or that, whatever they call it. The, yeah. The, 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 that the, life the, pod thing. That yeah. They're building and, and, and it's, it's, it's scary. And he's, he's, he's kind of frightening. And you, right. you know, as you, as you watch you're him, afraid emerge, you're going to produce two Ultrons. Right. You're like, what, what, what what's this going to be? And so he's, you know, in a way, you're looking at him going, this guy could be really dark. He could be really, you know, uh, and uh, and then and then he emerges as this, you know, just a lovely counterpart to mm-hmm. um, to the to the arrogance and to the, you know, sort of flip nature of uh, of um, uh, Ultron. Right. Um, and there's this nod to his worthiness, too, when, they, when he picks up the hammer. They're all like right. having that whole that's, like, oh, it's you know. brilliant, it's brilliant scene there. Uh-huh. Yes, he so, did, hands it over to Thor. And that's Thor's right, like, oh. <laughs> and, and everyone says, "Wow, okay," and, and, and they then, immediately and, accept. And it. then, and then we exhale as an audience member as right. well, right? Because we, okay, he's good. Exactly, it's a great image, <laughs> right? Because you know? right. if no one can use the hammer except right. for the worthy, which you know, was king. set up, which was set up before yeah. as as all the Avengers trying to lift the hammer, right. not even Captain America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could right. lift. You know, no course, one could. Uh, you, you find out he can, and he does later. He actually scoots it like just ever so slightly on the table you know and you see thor like yeah that's right he's like whoa wait a minute he's almost worthy Uh, but uh yeah the way he carries it effortlessly um is a is a great image and 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 great for us too like i said to Mm -hmm. uh to solidify all right i don't have to worry about this guy this is i'm with him and he's a great character i love the vision and you know he also has the uh, the the mind stone, which is mm-hmm. you know in, you know, in, and that's right in the center of his head, <laughs> right? right? It's yeah, like yeah. A, so it's a yeah, we're we're on his side, and he's a he's a brilliant character. I guess intelligence him. itself isn't to be feared, and maybe that's part of the yeah. uh, part of the the moral of this one is that the the super intelligence itself is not necessarily the danger, but rather the spirit from which it uh, comes forth. He, it was nicely put. The um, one of my favorite lines, and I can't quote it directly, so I'll paraphrase it. Where Ultron's um, uh, talking about, you know, their impermanence is disgusting. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, 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 nothing's lasting about humans. And he says, uh, Vision says, but within that, I see beauty. Right. I see the beauty of that, you know, in their impermanence, which is, you know, quite lovely. And it, I don't know if, you know, I, I was, we're talking here, we've talked about the very deliberate infusing of emotion into Ultron. And Vision does seem somewhat emotionless. Um, would you agree? I mean, that, yeah, he that, does more so. That, that, uh, that uh, comment is on an emotional level. That's not really a, uh, I don't know if that's a, 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 a strictly intelligent or, you know, like a, you know what I mean? That, well, that, the that, assessment that of beauty is such a subjective, almost emotional experience. There you go. See, that's what, that's what I was, yeah, that's what I was getting at. So, yeah. so there, he is. I guess you could say he is. In, you know that he's has some emotion in him, but right. he does 
come off as rather emotionless. Right. And you know that fairly quickly he starts falling in love with uh, Scarlet. The, the Scar- well, not Scarlet uh, Johansson, but the Scarlet Witch. Right. Yeah, so yes. she, uh, yeah, that's right. So okay. He, so emotion comes out of him pretty quickly. Just he's such a new character at that point. That's right. Like, actually literally a great new line being. when he says uh you know he says, you, was you're, born you're, you're so naive so yeah. i was born yesterday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that line I, I found it was a but a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts yeah you know yeah that's a that's a, a beautiful line it really and, uh, is love yeah. that one so uh, that's not something that ultron could ever see and that's a that's a, a huge flaw with him right yeah. yeah such a good such a good uh a good line there I'm looking through some of my notes here. Some of the, some of the things that really stood out to me. Um, there's this dynamic between uh, Banner and Natasha that I think is mm-hmm. uh, super interesting. So on one hand, you've got you've got what could be construed as a or could be described as a, a metaphorical uh, hyper masculine extreme, sort of the 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 boundless rage and violence and power that is the Hulk, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there, there are two solutions to the Hulk, right? There's Veronica and there's Natasha. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when Natasha was knocked out of commission, Tony Stark calls in Veronica from space and basically has to KO Trump. I mean, K- not Trump. <clears throat> Excuse me. Flip of the tongue. Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so he has to come in with his giant space robot mm-hmm. and and fight Hulk all through the city right. and not forcibly knock him out and uh, and it's a much more destructive process right. than Natasha coming in subtly right. and and uh, I don't want to say seducing but it's almost that it's almost like uh, there's a, a peaceful. She uses the illusion or she uses the the metaphor of it's getting dark, it's getting quiet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When the she sun's when she's, going down. the sun's going down. Um and she uses human touch um yep. to sort of, you know, a gentle human touch that brings him back to uh, down to earth. And it it kind of reminds me of um actually one flew over is what we talked about with the, the two prostitutes and how they were sort of the key to, to setting free right. some of those men from the, in the, in the ward. Yeah. Um, it's, it, and their vulnerability to the guys cat calling him up on the, up on the mm-hmm, shore. And mm-hmm. the, um, I think there's an, there's another one we talked about. Oh, the Ferris Bueller where the, um, the girlfriend, this sort of encounter with femininity is actually, is the moment where it actually brings, uh, Cameron out of his catatonic oh, state right, too. That's right. So there's yes, this, there's this right. repeating yeah, theme. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, of femininity at its best being the the gracious key to to right. restoring humanity mm-hmm. to to the hyper masculine, like that the, the hyper or not the hyper femininity, but just femininity at its best right. is the antidote right. to to masculinity at its worst. Extraordinarily powerful. Really is. Yeah. yeah. In in her own subtle, underpowered way, right, right. she can she can uh, overcome right. the, the great unstoppable Hulk. Right. I think, too, when we were talking about Natasha and her seeking redemption, I think it's quite beautiful that part of her redemption seeking is connecting with another human being, yeah. connecting with another flawed human being. And she has a line where she says, do you think you still think you're the only monster in this group. You know, so um, not only is she willing to sort of, I guess, to put it into psychological terms, work on herself <laughs> a little bit mm-hmm. and try to, you know, re- uh, make amends, so to speak, for her past, but she's seeking connection with another flawed human being and, and hopefully take that journey of redemption together. 
Yeah, and she's um, one of those people who doesn't do that well or easily or naturally. You know, everything mm-hmm. in her past has trained her to be suspicious and mm-hmm. to not trust. I mean, she's yeah. a she's a spy. She right. she knows better than anyone that people shouldn't be trusted, and right. it's it's or by earning people's trust that she manipulates them. That's right. And so for her to be willing to be vulnerable enough right. to actually engage and reach out and connect emotionally with someone is a big deal. It is a big deal. She does. I think that Scarlett Johansson does a nice acting job of you know that showing that appeal that she has and mm-hmm. this sort of falling in love with the banner character right um, um why do you think that she has a sort of a so i mentioned that it's i think lovely that she tries to make a connection but it's certainly a romantic kind of a connection mm-hmm. what do you think is what do you think she is why do you think she is drawn to banner slash hulk romantically because it just doesn't seem like a you know, anything that she's probably ever done romantically before has been right. for, a, you know, negative ends. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so what is it about, uh, what is it about Banner slash Hulk that, uh, that draws gets her, her out of her shell that allows her to be vulnerable, like vulnerable, like you said. Right. It's kind of a strange, strange thing that the, she's willing to be vulnerable with this one person who's probably the most dangerous, like of, right. of all the Avengers. <laughs> That's you know, true. The least in control. Right. The least in control. a lot of circumstances. Uh, well, she's got this line where she's talking to saying that he, um, not directly, she's sort of indirectly talking about him to him. And he says that, you know, she's fallen for this guy who, um, she spends, she spent her whole life training how to fight. And she's fallen for this guy who, who spends his whole life running away from running fights away from fights because yeah. he knows he will win because he knows he'll win. And, yeah. uh, and I feel like that's, Ooh, I think that's it. There is the, there, the key is there. Keep going. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a different man. I think she, she admires that deeply within him. That's uh-huh. just that humility and that willingness to, um, to be, to be the weaker person. And because, because it's better for everyone else. There's that self-sacrificing yeah. thing that that really she's trying to integrate into herself that yeah. that vulnerability that she right. lacks, and his his voluntary acceptance and uh, cultivation of that vulnerability intentionally, n- despite the fact that he has all of the invulnerability that she trained to to gain. Right. And so there's there's yeah. a, a pretty yin and yang thing there like going that on between very much. them. Yeah, I think that he does embody, as you're saying that, I think I can see how he embodies the kind of, uh, oh, I don't want to say control, but, you know, the, he have, um, you know, she has... The voluntary giving up of, right, of strength. Because she has the same capability. She could win any fight, you know. Pretty much. Well, you know, pretty much, you know what well, I mean? Well, and she's and she has trained a, to do that. And that's how, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she, And so she could win any fight as well. I mean, we could put that in quotation marks, but same same mm-hmm. idea. Um, and so she's, I think, yeah, on a, on a deep level as she's seeking redemption, she's drawn to someone who is embodying that same struggle to say, you know, that, that I, I could win every fight, but I'm, I'm not going to, I, I'm going to fight against that and become a better person. Yep. Um, and there's some deep empathy there too, in mm-hmm. that they're both very, uh, aware of the lives they've hurt, you know, unintentionally right, right. or intentionally. And so that there's a, a commiseration there over their pasts. Right. I think that that runs pretty deep too. There's a, and, and there's always, you know, like, I think it's great too that the two of them realize that they don't have, this isn't the, they're not going to have the kind of life that Hawkeye has. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they even directly say that, right? You know, right. he says, I can't have this. I can't have children. I can't do this. I can't have a family. And her recognition of, well, I can't either. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't, 
you know, have love and right. beauty and uh, harmony in our lives. Um, even though, again, those are just more reasons why you should, you know, go to the dark side, right? I mean, how, well, I have no hope of having a family. Right. I have no hope of any kind of Yeah, you could take those you know, circumstances and, and be motivated in the opposite direction, Absolutely. but they're not. But they're not. And yeah. I think that's what makes them heroes. Yeah. That's what makes them, uh, you know, not giving in to the shadow and, and instead saying, this is who I am. They don't deny it. That's an, it's an important piece that we talked about. Yeah. But there's no denial of it. It's not like that they're pretending that they're, you know, that, that darkness didn't exist in their life and that I'm just going to be a happy person. I'm just going to be a good person. It's like, no, I have this, I have this darkness inside of me mm-hmm. and I recognize it and I know it can be, you know, I have every reason really to be, uh, a, you know, a, a violent and, and dark person. And I could take out, you know, I'm, I'm really angry. I lost <laughs> a lot and I could, right. you know, take that out on people. Um, but no, they didn't. It takes a huge, that's a, that's a, it takes it, some courage. Much, yeah, a huge and amount of courage there. and vulnerability. And it's a lot harder. That's a lot harder than to mm-hmm. to uh, than to give in to the shadow and For just sure. continue being a mindless assassin or to just say, hey, I will, you know, I will just Hulk smash. Right. Yeah. Or to take the Ultron path. I mean, what was that, that quote you said earlier from me about Iago, um, who was saying that, right. Yeah. There's a, I don't have the quote exactly, but Iago in, in, uh, is the villain in, uh, Shakespeare's Othello. And he just does really dark and despicable things. And even the, 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 uh, I think Shakespeare almost anticipated the viewer saying, why is this guy so bad? Like, what did he do? Cause a lot of times, you know, like with Richard the third, he's, he's a, uh, he's deformed. He's got a hunchback. Uh, he was teased and mocked and made fun of. And you sort of get an, a, a reason for his evil, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, he was, uh, he was abused or he had Iago was like, what, what's up with him? He's, he's a horrible person. But and and Iago has this line that I'm going to paraphrase. I wish I had it directly quoted, but he has a line where he says, I am a, uh, because I'm an evil person, I'm going to do evil things. That's just how it is. You know, like that's that I don't have any choice. I mean, it's like, you know, and he just says it very matter of factly. And, uh, and that's what Shakespeare offers up as his rationale for is Iago's rationale for being a villain. Um, I am a, I'm a bad person and therefore I will do bad things. So I think you're, are you looking for that? I was looking <laughs> for the quote, but I couldn't I'll, find yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it won't, won't do us very much good uh, at this if, point. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, if we come back to it in a later podcast. Oh, remember the Iago quote? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm uh, sure he'll come we, up again. Yeah, we'll, if we can, uh, yeah, we, I know we, we'll, 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 deal, we'll deal with heroes and villains and stuff uh, yeah. in, in, a, in a while. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, it, it, much easier for Iago to just sort of embrace this idea that, hey, yeah. I'm a bad person, so I do that's bad things. I think that's one of the one of the big takeaways from this story in my mind. One of the one of the things I come home with and and help shape my day to day life is that, despite the darkness I see and despite the things that I know I've done wrong and despite the the obvious suffering around me and the unfairness of life and and the the bitter pain that that is human being, mm-hmm. um, it's still it's still the right course to to do the best with what we have to try to mitigate that. Yeah. You know, it, it's never the right course to resort to the self-destruction or mm-hmm. to the other's destruction or to the rapid annihilation of, of the things that are around me. Like it, that's, that's always the wrong way mm-hmm. um, to, to deal with the, right. whatever's facing me in the moment. Isn't it interesting too? And I agree with you a hundred percent, but it is, isn't it 
interesting that there is almost an allure to that that there is oh, sort of like a, such is yeah it's, there's like i can buy into that so easily and it's a lot easier just like we we're just talking about it's a lot oh, yeah. easier to go that way than to fight against it i keep in mind this quote from throwing out the, all these paraphrases of these quotes but uh, the steinbeck said something one time where he said there's darkness and evil in this world but if that's all there was, we would have been gone a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I always try to keep that in mind, that as much as yep. that's there at the forefront and that can, I can go to bed at night and think of all the things wrong in the world and the, and, and, and the darkness, or I can realize that there's a lot of goodness out there too. Right. And, and uh, there's, there's more than, more than that. It's perhaps, it's perhaps the very pursuit of the light in the midst of the darkness. That is the, the beauty that that keeps us going like that, that, that might very well be the source of the beauty itself. I agree. There's this, uh, phrase I like to say that, uh, and it's a, it's a biblical idea, Mm -hmm. um, that, that redemption is better than perfection. You know, that if, if the, if the perfect design was the end goal, then God wouldn't have let the snake into the garden, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's great. But, but perhaps the, the, the pursuit of redemption and, and the embracing of, of darkness into and, and reintegrating that and using that to then uh, create all the more light mm-hmm. is what gives life life its meaning and its its joy and, and the beauty of it. I think that's wonderful. That's a great wrap up too. It's a nice way to end <laughs> things uh, because I think we can find that very theme if we really look at, I mean, not even have to look very hard in, in the movie we just talked about. Right. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's right in there. Yep. So uh, I might, I might yeah. take one more takeaway from this one in particular. Sure. Um, and it's a little more specific, but it's the idea of, of not making decisions under influence of extreme negative emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think decisions made in the moment when I'm really angry or I'm really afraid of something Mm -hmm. or I'm super sad about something that just happened. Mm -hmm. Those decisions, uh, I think much like, much like Tony Stark's, failed Ultron experiment. Which was a fear-based which experiment. Is a, yes, right. fear-based, but even even though it was unto, with good intentions, mm-hmm. like even though it was unto something worthy, uh, it's distorted by those, by the deep emotions. And mm-hmm. so sometimes it's worthwhile just to process those things out without making any decision. You know, right. like, maybe right. now is not the time to move across right. the country just because I feel lousy about right. my current situation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't break off this relationship mm-hmm. uh, just because I'm, I'm feeling miserable about three other things going on in my life and, right. and something happened there. It's like, no, right. maybe, maybe we should sit on it for a minute. And, I, and yeah, I, you know, that's, I think that's wonderful get advice. Some perspective. For anybody. Yeah. That's a, that's hugely important. I think, uh, Recognizing the emotion is is big. I, I hate to say, but I think there are some people who don't really recognize it. That don't oh, it really takes me a realize long time that. to recognize it. Yeah. So that does, uh, you know, that they're, you know, why is my life so bad? And, you know, and then you start thinking, well, you're stewing in anger or you're angry all the time <laughs> right. or, you know, something like that where um, if you can recognize, I am angry. I am really angry. I'm really dissatisfied and kind of sit with that. And I think we are gifted with the intelligence and the insight that, that we just have all naturally have that we can, you know, get to the heart of some of our own problems. Yeah, especially if, if we're if honest we, with ourselves. And, and if we don't act on those emotions. So I think yeah. the first step is recognizing them. And the second step is 
I don't want to be angry all the time or I don't want to feel like this. And, uh, and you know, people, you don't have to. <laughs> so, right. uh, not all the time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. But of course we're human beings. So yeah, yeah you're exactly. going to have, yeah, don't, yeah, there is, there, there, there are, will be those uh, moments. there is winter <laughs> in our seasons of life. Definitely yeah, winter. Doubt. Um, so yeah, well, that was a wonderful. What do we have coming up? I know we we keep we keep threatening Harry Potter. Yes, oh, <laughs> love those stories. We're, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get to that here soon. Uh, hopefully, that that's in the in the works. In the works for yeah. sure. Uh, we've also I've got uh, some some Shakespeare in the works. Uh huh. Sure. As well, and I'm working on. Um, I've got a couple of other friends in different places. The movie uh, Tombstone. I've got a okay my, uh, fellow out in Tennessee who that's one of his favorites. Oh, and he's nice. Really Get into him on there. The talk, westerns. Yeah, and talking so about that. Sounds looking good. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. And uh, as well as a, actually a book from the East. It's re- originally written in Chinese or, or Mandarin or one of the Eastern uh-huh. languages, and uh, it's called the Three Body Problem. Oh. And it's the three book series, and I've got a friend who was a he was an army ranger he was a he, he learned the whole language over the course of a number of years and mm. and spoke it fluently he's very well versed in sort of eastern culture and so i'm gonna go over that one with him wonderful like so that sounds yeah. fantastic Got a lot of cool stuff coming yeah, up yeah a lot of a lot of truth and fiction out there yep. folks a lot of truth and fiction <laughs> plenty of good stories to to listen to and read and and grow from absolutely wonderful thanks so much for our, your time today, Josiah. Yep. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for joining us and uh, catch you next time here at Truth and Fiction. Take care.